podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and it's the last Monday in July, so you know what that means. It is time for our Q&A, and with every single month this offseason, I've gotten one of our loyal boneheads to join me, and every single time it's been someone who likes to join us for the live show, so maybe that's your guys' cue that if you want to come on a Q&A show, if you want to get a little more involved, be a regular during the live show. This one is going to be a fun one. We have a lot of questions, so I'm going to just jump into it. But to introduce the man who is going to be joining me on this is the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who started the Bosco's Boys Coffee Exchange. You may know him as the coffee fiend. I just know him as my main man, Nick. Nick, how are you doing? Uh, I got to give you a shout out. You make a great gumbo and you're a great lunch guest. I I had a lot of fun when you came up to Shawnee and we, we were able to get lunch together. And again, you're a staple on the live show. You're a staple in our Twitter community. You've started a coffee exchange. How good does it feel to know that you've started a new kind of tradition amongst the boneheads? Well, uh, first off, Scott, thank you for having me on here. Uh, it's been kind of a whirlwind. Um, honestly, I didn't know a love of mine would be so intertwined and in connecting with a community that you know I've never met. And honestly, when I met you, I mean, it's it's been fun and I can't wait for the many experiences uh, we're going to have moving forward. Um, I know I need to brush up on my uh, Twitter thread on the gumbo. But other than that, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm I'm excited for all the uh, coffee recommendations uh, from everyone that hopefully we'll send in the near future. But yeah, man, I'm excited for this. Thank you again for having me on. For sure. And again, uh, I don't think it's a crime to not how, know how to do a Twitter uh, thread because, again, as someone who is addicted to Twitter and wishes he didn't, I think it says a lot more about me than it does about you. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple of just real quick questions before we d- jump into them. This is the most questions we've ever gotten for an offseason uh, Q&A pod, so uh, not going to you know bullshit around too much. But I do want to ask the two questions I've asked everyone who's come on. Actually, I guess it's three. Uh, First off, how did you become a K-State fan? You and I talked about this at lunch. Just walk me through your journey, how you became a cat. So when I was a kid, um, Lincoln, Kansas, out in central Kansas, it's very uh, K-State country. Um, Had a couple classmates that had family season tickets. So I went to a couple games with them. Um, And then my cousin, my uncle, Actually, two of my cousins went to K-State, graduated from there. So, I mean, it's K-State through and through the family. And um, just going to games almost every season I could. Um, it Honestly, from here on out, I mean, it's just K-State all the way through. So, uh, growing up, it was always the K-State family. So, And then the other question and two questions I like to ask, uh, how did you discover Bosco's Boys, the podcast, and then – do you have a favorite episode outside of all the times you get to join us for the live shows? 
So I got back from my deployment and I was just buzzing through. I think that was so 2018, 2019. And that was when the men's basketball had won their Big 12 championship. And I think I was just scrolling through Twitter. And then I don't know if someone else like that I follow liked it or I don't know how it got just maybe Kansas State men's basketball topics. And then you saw your podcast on the Twitter I think I liked one of your tweets and then from there just kind of listen here and there. But um, honestly, last year was probably the most consistent uh, listening of your podcast and then obviously the live show and everything. But I'd have to say 2019 just kind of randomly just got on, got on Twitter and saw you and saw you guys and then just listened. So been a bonehead ever since. And it's the and it's truly the best community of podcast fans in the world. Um, like I said, oh for sure. Oh, I, and and l- let me say this: I I uh, w- one of the things I love most, and here here's the plug for the Wednesday night live show, seven p.m. in God's time zone. We're going live every Wednesday, except for if a couple things happen. But I promise we will have a live show every <laughs> single week of Sporting KC. Goes to the U.S. Open Cup final. That's going to be on a Wednesday. I will not do that, and we won't do the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We'll do Tuesday shows on Tuesday night if those two things happen. Um, but one of my favorite things is now Bob Trollsby is kind of doing what he's calling the Cocaine Cats uh, post-show get-together. Uh, and I yes. saw you on there. I, I love how yep. the community is just taking on the life of its own. So, like, after an hour, like, you know, we all talk for an hour. It's much more structured. Uh, but then he turns around and he's hosting it. You're part of it. Chef is part of it. All the regulars are there uh, chatting for, you know, an hour to two hours afterwards. And I think that's maybe the coolest thing that's ever happened amongst the bonehead community. Yeah. That, uh, that first night that he did it, I know we talked for, I think two hours. I think I stayed up till about midnight and had to get up at six the next morning, but it was, it was fun. I, uh, I got to explain my um, coffee, uh, I wouldn't say maybe, you know, snob or connoisseur, but my coffee uh, journey, uh, just journey. Yeah, journey. And then just the the love of coffee and how it's, you know, I, I what I drink every day. And um, I will say I do have to put a plug. Um, I am drinking. I made a cup, obviously, because, you know, it's Bosco Boys and I had to, the coffee fiend. I got to live up to that. Right. Um Andy Town Coffee Roasters. I got this uh, bag of coffee from Kelly Mike from the uh, live show, and um, uh, we were. I was going to bring this, and I was going to make this for you, and sh- you know, we're gonna do a pour over, but uh, it's a, okay nonetheless. And it's a light roast, but um, yeah, living up to the coffee fiend name, and uh, had to make myself a pot of coffee. So uh, yeah, well, I love it. I'm, I'm dr- uh, sipping on a. Uh, IPA from Happy Bassett Brewery in Topeka, the first brewery brewery we ever recorded live for, uh, from. So again, I dropped the ball for all the listeners. We were going to do something in person. <laughs> and then I I thought the month of July was laying out a little differently. And then all of a sudden I realized, I was like, oh shit, July is like the f- last <laughs> Monday in July is like next week. So I dropped the ball. I'm sorry for that, but we'll get together. We'll do something. I'm actually investigating maybe something I, I i don't want to put it out there because every th- time i put something out there and it doesn't happen i feel bad but i'm working on something uh in the kansas city area hopefully you can come up and it's a mix of coffee and beer so stay tuned i'm going to try to make it happen 
But I do think it is time to jump into the questions because we have a lot. Like I said, I think this is our biggest Q&A episode since we started. So we're going to just jump right into it. And the first one is coming from C underscore NRAD. Uh, is green a full-time bow tie guy or is it only for extra special occasions? This was asked during Big 12 media days. Uh, you know, Daniel Green rocking the bow tie. I have no idea. He he actually seems like a guy who anytime he he gets dressed up, he actually might be a bow tie guy. Yeah, I think the same too. I mean, I'm traditionally a uh, just a regular tie, slacks, you know, coat and everything. But honestly, I think, you know, if he rocks a bow tie, go for it. I've never worn a true bow tie ever. I, I don't even know if I've worn a clip-on bow tie. I don't think I've ever worn a bow tie in my life. So with my profession, uh, we have to dress up every once in a while. And there are certain regulations whether or not to wear a regular tie and a bow tie. So I have worn many bow ties in the nine years in my Army career. All right. So if anyone needs help uh, tying a bow tie, go to the coffee fiend Nick himself. Uh, cats no, by because oh, no, no, I was gonna say no, no, because uh, the tie that I have is just a clip on. I mean, Ooh. it's like a wraparound clip on, so it's easy for me, you know. I can't, you know, gotta simplify things, but if you need help with a bow tie, look it up on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> no, there, there you go, there you go. Uh, cats by 92 or 902. What case you basketball player in history would make the best football player and vice versa? The first Ooh. football player or first basketball player to be good at football that came to my mind was Xavier Sneed. I think he would yeah. be like a great like tight end, maybe a wide receiver. And I think he was actually pretty good at football during his high school career. Um, I Thomas Gibson. I could see him being Ooh. a really good like a tight end. Tight end. He actually tried um, out with the Green Bay Packers. He did. Yes, yeah. I saw that. Uh, football to basketball. I could see like a Cade Warner being like a, a point guard. Um, I think Skylar Thompson a, was actually a pretty decorated yeah. basketball player. I could even see like Malik Knowles. Yeah. Uh, well, hell, Avery Johnson is, is a two-time All-State basketball player yep. coming in. Granted, he's not. A, <laughs> there you go. He hasn't been there yet. So there's been a handful, and I'm I'm sure I'm missing out on like an obvious one. Like John Holcomb went viral for that dunk. Uh, granted, he didn't stick around very often, or not very not very often. He didn't stick around very long. He went to Florida A and M when he transferred away. Um, someone tweet into the show because I I feel like there's probably someone who it's like I'm blanking that was like a legit basketball type player. So we'll keep moving on. Uh, Paracat Ryan, he has a lot of questions. Here's his first one: Chris Kleiman currently ha- has a record of thirteen and fourteen. In the Big 12, does he finish 2022 with a record above 500? AKA, he's asking, do we go six and three or better in conference in 2022? We asked yesterday in the live show the baseline uh, to have a successful season. I think a lot of people were kind of saying that nine and three mark. So he would need to get to that six and three record. Do you think he gets to that? Yes. <laughs> I think. I think we will be top three, if not in Arlington this year. That's my that's my prediction. I know I'm, I've seen some of the, the questions later on. Um, that's kind of following up for those. But, yes, I do see that he's going to be above 500 
this year. Yeah, and, and I do I do have to tell you, I, I did grab some questions that were in between the last few Q&As. So we're, we're almost getting to the ones that you were tagged in. Um, okay. Here is one more. Uh, here's one from Bob Trollsby. What's next for Rubley? Everyone seems to think Avery oh. comes in and competes, but I feel like Rubley is flying under the radar a bit. I'm going to say this, and, and until I hear something from a source at K-State that indicates Rubley's taken a step, I'm just going to go under the impression he's not ready yet. So I don't know. I don't know if he's ever going to get to that point. He might be a transfer candidate, but until I hear something, I can't really predict him being a contributor or a competitor. The only, the only way he's going to contribute, I, I believe is that Will Howard moves the tight end or transfers out and then he will get the nod. See, I don't, I don't see any world where he straight up gets the nod. He might be able to compete for it, but I, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we start hearing something in fall camp. Um, Casey Railroader, after much film review, what do you think it should take for Willie to get on top of the press box for the <laughs> KSU like old times? I'm going to say this: if we're playing KU Thanksgiving weekend and it's for a trip to Arlington for a berth in Arlington. I think that's the only way he gets up there on the press box this year. Yeah, I think I have, I'll have to agree with you. That's uh, that's got to be some pretty big expectations, not expectations, but big moment, um, big moment for that to happen. All right, let's get into some of the ones that you were tagged in from our friend Bob Trollsby. And this is specifically for you. What is well? I mean, I guess it could be from me, but you're the coffee fiend. What is the best and worst cup of coffee you've ever had? So after listening um, to the after show, after party on Pokemon Willie, um, I remembered I went to when I was in overseas, uh, I had some Turkish coffee. Now that is probably some of the best coffee little bit of a hang up there um we'll see if I, I i get in and edit up the uh the the mix up there but what is the best and worst cup of coffee you've ever had so the best cup of coffee i've ever had would have to be overseas in kuwait uh i had some turkish coffee and after all the pour overs espressos and cappuccinos i've ever had um that turkish coffee is probably by far the best i've ever had what about worse? Is there like, is there something that just sticks out or is it just like anything that comes from a can? Well, I mean, there's some cans that are okay, but uh, in the army, um, it's probably not the greatest coffee. It's simply, we call it muddy water and you either have to add a lot of sugar or you just don't drink it at all. But you know, I mean, it's worse than Folgers. Um, Folgers is my last resort. But all in all, I mean, even out being out in the field, uh, the the worst cup of coffee is better than no coffee. So um, that's probably <laughs> yeah, that's my answer. I, I will say, I, I think one of the best cups of coffee I've ever had was out at Kona Joe's, uh, you know, coffee plantation where they roast it all themselves. It was it was delicious. But I also got to give a shout out to my favorite coffee shop in Manhattan, Kansas Arrow Coffee. They're the ones who kind of got me started on 
you know, pour over some, you know, good lattes. They make some of their own in-house, in-house like flavoring. Uh, it's a great spot. It's my favorite spot in Manhattan whenever I go. So check them out. Hashtag no free ads. Um, worst cup of coffee. And I, I vividly remember this. I, uh, when we were at in college, I just started drinking coffee. We had a coffee maker and I, I don't remember why I thought this, but I had like a scoop that was basically supposed to be like a half pot for this one scoop. Like it was a big old scoop. And I put like maybe like six of them in there. So I'm like, oh yeah, six cups of coffee. So it like was overloading the basket on this drip coffee oh. maker. And I was like, oh man, it was, it was gross. It was gross. So, I bet you tasted some coffee, coffee grinds. Oh your, yeah. 100%. <laughs> I was like chewing the coffee. It was, it was not great. <laughs> this one is specifically for you. I have nothing uh, for this one, but the good chef Andre Napier asked, as the leading expert in recruiting kids to defend our liberties and freedoms, describe your perfect football player and how you would recruit him to K-State. So that's for you. Yeah, so being from a uh, small town in central Kansas, I um, actually had a classmate that walked on to K-State his freshman year and um, actually got to suit up and everything. But honestly, it's your tall um, – like big farm boys, you know, that know how to work hard, uh, have good grades, um, know right from wrong and just know how to have that dedication. And then honestly, it's just like Taylor Bratt and Chris Kleiman and every, all the coaching staff is just get them to Manhattan. That's, that's literally it is just get them to Manhattan, let them see for themselves, the town, the college, the facilities, and just let, you know, everything speak for itself. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, K-State by 90. If you had to add two schools to join the Big 12, who would it be? And let's throw up some parameters. Let's say like two realistic schools. So, you know, the Pac-12 schools are in play. Uh, Any G5 is in play. But for you, what two schools would you add? So realistically, I'd I personally believe, and I'm, I don't know if uh, people will like this answer or not, but I, I do believe Colorado um, is going to be in the in the next wave of the Big 12 as well as uh, Utah. Um, I just think the, param- like, the proximity of them to the central United States where the Big 12 is, I just, I just firmly believe that those two schools will get added in the first wave of the realignment. Yeah, I it- – if you're asking me to add two and it's for my own personal, I mean, I honestly would probably just take Arizona and Arizona state. Again, I, I, I think there's a chance all four of those schools come, but you know, Utah fans and Colorado fans seem to be acting pretty douchey on Twitter. So I, I would kind of get yeah. a little bit of a kick if they're running their mouths and then all of a sudden they're stuck, you know, in a shitty conference. <laughs> so uh, again, that that's probably not what ma- I think what would make the most sense dollars and cents wise would be Arizona and Utah. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'll just take both Arizona I think, schools. I think the nostalgia of Colorado coming back. I mean, they're obviously their Twitter fans are just obviously, like you said, pretty airheaded. But for me, I obviously grew up watching K-State Colorado and that would be fun for me because then I would be able to be able to go to the games uh, since I didn't when I was a kid. But 
um, those are, yeah, those, those would be my two. And it would be good to get back a, an original big eight school. So that's all right. Um, all right. So this is the one that got the most uh, Twitter interaction of all the questions. Fuck, Mary kill salsa, <laughs> guacamole, and queso. <laughs> so this one kind of blew up. Um, hold on. You go ahead first. I'm going to yeah. write this down and so, look at it. So, so for me, no matter what the situation is, it's killing guacamole. I'm not a big avocado guy. Uh, if there's if if you're like getting a trio dipper like at a me- Mexican restaurant, I'll I'll eat some of the guacamole, but it's definitely kill for me. Now, if you're saying it is bad salsa, bad queso, or mediocre salsa, mediocre queso, I'm marrying the queso and fucking the gua or the salsa. But if you're telling me that this is the best of the best salsa. In the best of the best con or queso, I'm then marrying the salsa. So does that make sense? So if it, if it's like top tier, yeah. you're getting best of the best marrying the salsa. If it is bottom tier, middle tier, I'm marrying the queso. So that that is my stance, and I'm sticking to it. So I have just recently, probably within the last year or two, getting accustomed to guacamole. Um, so I'd have to kill them. I mean, just, yeah. And then between salsa and queso, I mean, if I'm looking at it health wise, like I'm pretty healthy, uh, eat healthy. So I'd probably have to marry salsa, just all the ingredients that's in it, um, to keep me healthy. And then queso, I mean, there's some days you'll eat the queso and then just have a bad rest of your night into the morning. So that's how I'm looking at it. So I'd marry salsa and fuck queso. You are a healthy guy, which then also kind of makes me feel bad that when we were out, I ordered uh, nachos. Uh, with, <laughs> you know what? Lunch. Those were those, no, those were good. I, I mean, there was a I lot of them. them. I I thought no yes. chance when she brought out all those nachos at lunch. I'm like, damn! I thought it was like gonna be a small little plate. My instinct was like, okay, Scott, I guess we're eating these nachos. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I definitely ate more at that lunch. And I think I have at a lunch in a very long time, but it was, well, fun. it was fun. But well, that was also when I saw the wings and that like, oh, yeah. when I think of wings, I think of, you know, the traditional, uh, Buffalo wild wings or, you know, Jefferson's, yeah. which is, I know in Lawrence, but it's good. It's in uh, Topeka now too. Yeah. It's in Topeka. I've been there. Um, but I was just thinking those little traditional wing bone and wings. Yeah, no, she comes, she went, yeah, when she said it was like the full wing, like I looked at her crazy when she did the move and I'm like, are you like, do you have like a, <laughs> like an itch or something? Or like, are you twitching? And she goes, no. Like when she brought, I'm like, oh, you weren't kidding. Like it's an actual chicken wing. And she goes, yeah, yeah I wasn't kidding. I'm like, oh, well that makes sense. But <laughs> uh, it was, it was good. It was definitely, that was a good choice. Thank you yeah. for that. That was really good. Shout out to blind box. All right. K-State by nineties up next favorite piece from the home field apparel drop. Hmm. You know, I'm a, I ordered probably, I think three pieces. Um, it's gotta be the cocaine Willie. I mean, that's probably been my favorite logo from them, uh, for the longest time over a year. I threw, I had a hat with that logo on it and I misplaced it. And for the longest time I've been trying to find it on rally house on, uh, fanatics, um, all K-State sports, uh, superstore online. And then I finally went to Manhattan one day after, uh, stopping at Fort Riley and I was like you know what I'm just gonna pop in see if 
they have it. And I asked the guy and he goes, yep, yeah, this is our last one. He goes, hallelujah. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, so I, so full disclosure is part of the sponsorship. And then also this is the last show that is going to be sponsored by Homefield. The promo code Bosco's Boys still works for 15% out. Go check them out again. High quality apparel, great designs, officially licensed. Check out Homefield. Again, great showing from K-State Twitter, K-State Internet, uh, buying so many shirts. So they sent me the eat em up shirt and then the Wildcat Country shirt, which I love both of those. And then they sent me another one, which I wasn't as big a fan of, uh, but someone I was talking to, it was one of their favorites. So I actually shipped it off to a bonehead. But then I turned around and bought the Cocaine Willie uh, K-State hoodie. So I got the hoodie. And then I uh, got my dad a shirt and then I got my mom a shirt as well. So promo code Bosco's boys, 15% off. But I, I love those. I love the eat them up. And then the every man, a wildcat one was also pretty baller. I, uh, the cocaine Willie. And then for my, I'm a hoodie guy. So I had to, I had to get a hoodie and I got the uh, sailor, sailor Willie walking. So that's, I'm pretty stoked for that. I might have to go back and get the eat them up crew neck sweatshirt as well. Ooh. Again, we killed the launch. I think we're going to get a refresh. I think we're going to get some fleece stuff in the winter. So shout out to all of K-State internet. Uh, the good chef is back in here. We know you are into drinking coffee, but are you a fan of eating coffee? I.E. coffee flavored ice cream, tiramisu, chocolate covered coffee beans, etc. So... We talked about this on the uh, Cocaine Willie show, the after party. And uh, no, I'm not into the coffee flavored stuff. I mean, coffee ice cream? No, I just give me some strawberry or chocolate. Uh, chocolate covered coffee beans? Like, are you wanting to like have coffee beans in your mouth for the rest of your life? Like, no. Like, I'll just drink coffee. That's it. See, I, I actually like. Uh, the chocolate covered espresso beans or coffee beans. Again, I got one of those over at Kona Joe's. Fun fact, the uh, beans that are like too small or way too big. So it's like a whole spectrum. Those are the ones that go into like the coffee barbecue rubs, uh, you know, the coffee oh, uh, so... flavored coffee, uh, uh, ice cream. The cho- So those are the ones they use. And I do like that type of stuff. I, I'll, I'll have a coffee, like a mocha flavored, you know, I- ice cream, chocolate flavor or covered uh espresso bean like i will do that i, I say will. i've done i have done though i have taken so reason why i only buy k-cups i use them on my like a dry rub so salt pepper and then i'll put it on like my steak Oof. Mm. coffee rub mm, truly so are good. the truly are the coffee fiend i love it all right uh k-state by 90 is next what is your mount rushmore of k-state athletes it doesn't have to be best player but your favorites so and there's a reason why there's a reason why for each for me um darren sproles uh grew up obviously watching him big 12 championship i actually have a football signed by darren sproles um got that for christmas when i was a kid uh jordy nelson grew up obviously watching him again uh i actually got an autograph from him when he was at his sister's women's basketball game. I noticed it was Jordy Nelson and I went and was a fan and got his autograph. Um, Terrence Newman, uh, he's from my area, uh, Solana Central. And so obviously I had to get uh, 
his uh him on Mount Rushmore, and then we talked about it on the uh, after party. Uh, Mark Simino. Mark Simino actually came to my high school uh, when I was real little uh, in grade school, and they put on this powerlifting expo kind of informational deal and like i said on the show like he went i just remember him when i was a kid looking up and he was just like traps were just yoked and so forever and he came from you know smith center so a small town and i'm forever a ad uh, ad astra all-stars um i'm forever a homegrown kind of guy so um yeah that's my four for mount rushmore I love it. So the first, so I, I'm kind of doing like, okay, the, the two guys that I remember being a big fan of when I was little, and then two of them kind of more in my adult, like, co- well, actually not adult, but like college. So uh, the first one I'm going with is Josh Scobie and then Josh Buell as well. Again, they were playing at K-State, you know, when I'm young, just two guys that I, gravitated towards and again you know I loved Michael Bishop like of, of course everyone loved him and like you know I all, all these great players but it, there's something about Josh Buell and Josh Scobie like those were just the two dudes and Darren Sproul again not taking away from anything from any of these guys but like those were the guys the two guys I remember being like okay these are my guys like hey these are two of my favorites and then when yep. I move on into kind of when I was in college, because that's when I was like, hey, I'm going to class with these guys. Hey, I, I'm seeing them on campus. It'd be Arthur Brown. Again, he he came over like in 2012. I can't remember why it happened, but a few football players came over to our house, like, you know, in during football season. Like, oh, there's Arthur Brown in my house. I was like, this is so cool. And then Jacob Poland for me. Again, like, you know, it was the one year in college with the crossover uh, watching him when I was in high school, just kind of like those formative years. I think like when you're a young kid and then like right when you're around college age, when, Hey, these are your age group. Like, Hey, you know, these are guys who are my age out here doing those things. I think those are like the most formative times for you as a college sports fan. So those would be the four on my kind of Mount Rushmore of personal favorites. Here's one for you. What, who is like a guy where it's like, cause all those guys were like contributors. Who is like your cult hero, like favorite, like, Hey, this guy didn't really contribute much. Like, like for me, it's like Jack Stanine. Like, you know, I'm all about Jacks, you know, he, he he's like the starter fullback, but he splits time with some guys and he's not, he's never scored a touchdown or anything, but like, Oh yeah. I'm like all about, uh, you know, Jack Stanine and then Justin Warner, uh, you know, back in the, you know, I think 2010, 2011, 2009, because he, he was at Washburn Rule and then he walked on at K-State basketball. So, like, those are my two kind of like, okay, like, you know, off the beaten path. Do you have, like, one of those guys that's like, all right, he didn't really play much, but he he's he's my guy. So, I'll have to – I have to give kudos to my dude, uh, Wyatt. He, uh, like I said, classmate of mine, graduated with him, uh, walked on K-State and suited up that freshman year for uh, – that was when they went to the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon. And so that's that was the year he was there. So yeah, I had to uh, shout out to him because he's a Big Twelve champion. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, like I said, he didn't didn't play, but I mean, he was there and he was dedicated. You really don't see that from small town Kansas. 
And so it was it was a big deal uh, to see him in purple. And he, like I said, he grew up a K State fan. So like his family went to K State. They had season tickets. So like he bleed, he bled purple. And for him to do that, that was yeah, that was awesome. That is awesome. We'll go to Derek Lynn next. Rank the basketball non-con games from most exciting to least exciting, including the Grand Cayman tournament. That's a lot of games. Like I, we don't need to do that. But is is there? Because like the the games, no one's excited for basically all the scrub been, games except for yeah. the opener. Like the the home opener, yeah. that's going to be versus one of the worst teams. But hey, that's the first time where it's under the lights. It's Jerome Tang. It's like rocking and rolling. But all the other ones suck. But just kind of get, excuse me, give me like the three or four games you're most looking forward to in basketball season. Uh, so probably Butler, um, just a rematch, and then Florida. Uh, finally getting like an SEC blue bud blood come in and uh, show them what Manhattan's about. And then obviously Wichita State, um, known explanation there. And then Nebraska, I wish it was at home, but I'll, I'll take the uh, Kansas City trip and go go watch them beat the piss out of the Cornhuskers. So. Yeah, I, I think this year's in T-Mobile. The next year they're coming to Bramlage, and those are the four ones. Again, the Cal game, second game of the season, that'll be interesting. Um, but I, yeah. I, I think I think for me it goes Wichita State, Nebraska, or Wichita State, Butler, Nebraska, Florida for me, and I actually might be at all four of those if everything works out correctly. So, uh, stay oh, sweet. tuned. Yeah, I, I might have to go hang out with uh, the good chef in Indianapolis. <laughs> Speaking of the good chef, is there anything on your Kansas State bucket list that you want to do in your lifetime? Oh, so in high school, we got invited to do the uh, seven-on-seven passing tournament uh, at K-State. So I got the chance to shake Bill Snyder's hand and be in his office. Um, so did that. Um, obviously met Darren, uh, Jordy Nelson and Mark Simino. Um, honestly, I think it would it'd be nice to go meet Darren Sproles um, and then just, uh, you know, I've been on the field for a Chiefs game. Um, I wouldn't mind being on the field for a uh, K-State game. I think that would be fun and just kind of look at it from a player's view instead of being in the stands. Yeah, so that that's kind of the way I was going. So I, I was able to sit courtside at a K-State game in the T-Mobile arena or T-Mobile center. I've been able to sit courtside at Bramlage. I did that twice just this year. Uh, you know, it, it helps to kind of schmooze with some of the the folks who work at the athletic department. Uh, so I was able to sit courtside for two games this past year as well. I would love to do it for one game because I like to be higher up. I like to kind of see how the, the play is developing, but getting yep. to be down on the field for an entire game, especially if you have like access to kind of walk around like from sideline to sideline, I think that'd be really cool. Uh, and hell, I'll say this, while I love to go nuts, I love to yell, be loud and rowdy at games, being able to watch a game up in the West Side uh, Stadium Center, the press box or one of those suites, that would be pretty awesome as well. Yeah, that would probably, I'm just like you, I like watching, I'm a football mind in the sense of like, I think of, okay, I would, this is what I would do on second down, this is what I would do on third down, uh, passing situation, running option kind of deal, and I love watching plays develop, so I, I mean, I used to play, you know, quarterback in, in high school, but I wasn't that good. But I always knew that, like, I had the mind of watching plays develop and knew where to go with the ball and stuff like that. So um, 
honestly be in the press box, maybe with the, you know, coordinators and just kind of listen to them talk. You know, I'd, I'd be a fly, honestly. I'd let them obviously do the work, but I wouldn't ask questions. I would just sit and just be in awe of the play calling and then the verbiage that they use. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, getting getting an earpiece to kind of listen to the offensive communication, that would be awesome. I love that. All right, uh, from Mike Smith, who has a better year, Nate Matlack or Khalid Duke? I think Khalid Duke, I think he I think he's going to rehab uh better or far better than what we expect and I think after seeing what uh King Felix did last year, I think that's going to put a fire in his ass and you know perform to what his expectations were last year. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Nate Matlack. Again, Nate had a pretty good season last year. Khalid Duke is coming off of injury, so Maybe I would like to revisit that question after the non-con, and if Khalid Duke hits the ground running, I might try to change my answer. But for right now, I'm going to go with Nate Matlack. Um, let's go to Mike Smith again. List your top three co- uh, college Big J journalists that you absolutely absolutely despise right now. I'll, I'll take the lead for this because, again, you are not – you're above the fray. You are a uh, – you, you don't find yourself sucked into some of these uh, pissing matches on Twitter. So the the three I dislike the most are Andy Staples, Heather Dinich, and – oh, man, because then it's like it's which one of these – I'll, I'll go with Stuart Mandel because he's the worst of the two. But uh, Stuart Mandel absolutely sucks. He – him and Andy Staples just constantly talk shit – on the Big 12, they're Pac-12 apologists. Stuart Mandel lives in the uh, Bay Area, so he's always going to bat for them. Andy Staples runs his mouth, and then instead of admitting he's wrong, when we call him out, he just doubles down, and then he's the one who continues to talk about it for weeks on end. And then Heather Dinich was the the loudest voice saying that the American Conference should poach the Big 12 last summer. So hate hate those three. Those are my three least favorite, and honestly, it's not even close. Yeah. And you know what? Those are my three, too. There you go. I absolutely love it. Uh, Chef Andre Napier asked this, and this question came before uh, Day-Day Ames' commitment, but did Jerome Tang's first four months live up to your expectations? I'm going to say this. It didn't uh, because I, I expected him to hit the ground running immediately to have a couple four or five stars almost immediately. I don't think that probably was fair to him, but I'll say this. Grabbing that first uh, top 50 player, I'm all of a sudden calmed down. I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm feeling good again, but he probably didn't live up to it in the first four months. Um, but I think that's more of a me thing than a drum tang thing. So I think I know you've asked, you know, how uh, temperature check uh, with Jerome, coach Jerome tang. And I think I've always said that, you know, we just got to be patient. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I, I always, had faith in him and just I think that people were a little too excited uh coming from his resume from Baylor and I think that you know we're we we literally started from the ground up you know only having you know Marquise Noel and Ish back um and then a handful of players but I think we were so expect like we were so expecting him to just get all the top 50 players and sign everybody and I just knew that it's going to take some time it's going to it's a process 
you know, he's got to put his feet in the water to get a feel for Manhattan and what his facilities are and what his staff is. And then once he got that, then I knew that he was going to hit the ground running and he's going to blossom. Um, and we'll, we will be reaping those benefits within the next two years. I firmly believe that. Yeah. And you've always been preaching calm, even when we started getting a little antsy. So shout out to you <laughs> because you know what you're doing. Um, all right. This is a great one. I, I love this one from, so from Mike Smith, what stadium would you pick to see the cats play a neutral field game in? can be any stadium from any sport in any country, regardless of where the stadium is, it would be filled in pur- with purple. Excuse me. What stadium are you choosing? So kind of a backstory here. Um, my dad's from Louisiana and I grew up a K-State fan, obviously, but also an LSU fan. I will say LSU is my other team, favorite team. And I've been to a Death Valley game at night with my dad. Uh, that was his Father's Day gift. We went down and probably one of the best experiences I've ever had in college football. Now, when I was growing up, I always played, obviously, NCAA football on the PlayStation. Still have the same PlayStation 2 since I was a kid with double uh, NCAA 07. Um, so I would always play um, K-State versus LSU whenever my cousin would come over for Christmas and we would play on the PlayStation. He was K-State, I was LSU. But fast forward, I would never in my million years of living think that K-State would play LSU. And by golly, we had that last year. That was probably the most fun of a fan. Like, I was cheering when LSU scored, and I was cheering when K-State scored. So, like, I was at – I think I was at Buffalo Wild Wings down in Arkansas for – uh, in army school and people were just looking at me like why is he cheering for both and it was just I was a true college football fan that night having both of my teams play each other because I never thought it would happen so that would be my answers but it already came true um, and neutral field honestly like I think of neutral field like the historic so the shoe um, South Bend and then you know um, you know, Boise State, I think that would be fun, but the blue would not look good with purple. Um, and then honestly, the Coliseum, I think having a game in the Coliseum would be fun or the Rolls Bowl. Um, we've played them both, yeah, we've played them both. Um, so and then knock off a baseball stadium, which that sucked. Um, won't go there. Um, played a game in Arrowhead. So, I mean, all of my choices are pretty much picked. But, I mean, I wouldn't mind playing a game at uh, South Bend and having touchdown Jesus in the background. Yeah, so if you're telling me that I also, like, 100% get to go to it, I would I would get selfish, and I would actually kind of go over to the United Kingdom. So, Nebraska is getting to play a game Ooh. in Ireland. So, I would like to – so, my first instinct would be – I. I my favorite city I I visited because I was lucky enough to go to England and Scotland. My favorite city that I visited was Edinburgh and I just pulled up these stadiums in Edinburgh and they're all tiny. Like they're 20,000 seat stadiums. Like they're literally the size of sporting park, uh, Glasgow. Yeah. And we We could, so Glasgow has three stadiums, 50,000, two of them are 50,000, one of them 60,000, but I didn't really get to explore uh glasgow very much so i would kind of go over to london and i would just say if, if you're telling me that it 100 percent gets filled 
with K-State fans. Again, this is a very exact thing. I would say play in Wembley Stadium. That's the English National Stadium. There's 90,000 seats. And Mike's Mike's question says, regardless of the stadium, it would be filled with purple because we're gargantuan. 90,000 K-State <laughs> in London, England to play a game. That's probably what I'm going with. I, I think that would be, that'd be fun. I don't think you'd be able to hear anything if there was 90,000 purple fans just screaming their heads off. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think it would be awesome. Uh, it, 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 it would be a lot of fun. I would have a lot of fun. And again, I, I, I'm jealous. If K-State was playing a game over in Ireland, I, I would have spent whatever it took to get over there. So I'm, I'm a little jealous of Nebraska fans. But they're probably going to lose, so I'm not going to be that jealous. All right, uh, Evan D. Shane Alanilak, this is a follow-up to Mike Smith. Can we also get your top three Little J journalists that you absolutely despise right now? <laughs> so I named some actual journalists, people who like try to pretend they're journalists that I absolutely hate. Uh, Dylan Davis, uh, everyone hates on him. Uh, so he he's a KU guy uh, who tweets out random stuff. Uh, he has a blue check mark but he's not an actual journalist and I've known him since elementary school. I don't really like him. Uh, he brings a lot of the shit on himself on Twitter. I have no sympathy when people go to town trolling him, uh, you know, calling him out for being an idiot on Twitter. He brings it on himself. Uh, and I, I've never really liked him that much. So, and he, and honestly, he doesn't really like me. So I, I, I don't think I don't have any issues saying that. I think he would say the same thing about me. Uh, Mike Vernon, again, big Twitter following. He's not a journalist. He tries to act like a journalist. So he's another little J I don't like. Then the other one I don't like, and this might ruffle some feathers, that MHVER3 guy, the West Virginia guy who's trying to pretend he has every single realignment scoop. He doesn't. He's cosplaying as a college football insider. He doesn't have sources. And then everyone uh, thinks he's like, the most inside person when it comes to college football realignment, because he tweeted the USC and UCLA thing a few months ago, but again, nothing's original. He just tweets every single possible thing. So he can retweet it later and be like, see guys, I told you, but he also said a million different things. So those are the three little J's that I do not like. Yeah. Mine are the same three too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, Mike, Mike Vernon and uh, Tim Fitzgerald have been going I've, at it pretty hard today. On I've, Twitter, so. seen, I've seen, I saw that, Oof. and I'm like, man, when does it stop? Yeah, I mean, credit this to both nonsense. of them. As as someone who is also very uh, strong-headed, who will not kind of give up a Twitter argument, those two are going at it all day. So it is what it is. Um, All right, Chef Andre Napier asks, how many clones of yourself would it uh, take to be able to tackle Deuce Vaughn in 20 yards of open field. Uh, I think it would need to be like a hundred for me. Like I'm, yeah. I'm short. I'm uh, fat. I don't have a lot of lateral moves. Uh, the best chance I would have is having to take up all 20 yards of that. So he has to like try to run through me. Cause that's one thing Deuce won't be able to do. He won't be able to run through me. Uh, Cause I, I think I weigh like triple what Deuce Vaughn does. Uh, so he won't be able to run through me. So I just need enough to make it so he can't like I, I'm going, you know, yard to yard. I just need a hundred of me. I wasn't the greatest tackler in high school. I will admit that. Um, I was more worried about offense. So, and I'm pretty slow in the sense of I'm a marathoner 
and I don't have those fat, fast twitch muscles. And so I would need, yes, at least a hundred of me to even come close to touching Deuce Vaughn because that's how amazing he is on the field. All right. Yeah, no, and the, the dude breaks ankles. He's he's the ankle breaker. Um just go just just ask Gavin Porter from uh KU. That's true. He he's collected his ankles a couple times. Cameron asks, after hearing Kleiman wants to go uh, uh, up the paces to be the low to mid 70s, do you think we'll see a regression of our defensive numbers or, or does it make up for uh making or does it make up or does it end up making it easier for our defense when the teams are forced to be playing catch up? Whew. All right, there we go. Um, first first um, off, well, I, I'm going to say this. I don't believe Chris Kleiman when he says he wants to be in the low to mid seventies, I think we're going to be at 66 or 67 plays a game. So first off, I'm calling bullshit on coach Kleiman. You so, would have to have no huddle the entire game. Like, I know for a fact Chris Kleiman's going to call a huddle or Coach Klein's going to call a huddle and be like, hey, no, let's regroup, let's take some time, re, re, readjust ourselves, and let's go. Like, yes, there's going to be hurry up, but not the whole game. And so then I agree also, with you there. Yeah, and also it's more about time of possession versus play. So if, if we're having less three and outs, that's going to make up for the pace. Because here's the thing, we ran less plays and we ran the ball more than our opponents, but the time of possession was 50-50. So ultimately, I don't think we're going to see a ton more plays against the defense. So I I think it will be negligible. I don't think think it will ultimately have much of an effect at all. Exactly. So the next one, K-State by 90, Oklahoma minus eight and a half versus Nebraska. Where's your money going? This is is off of a – uh, tw- not a Twitter, a uh, message board thread where I, I said that Oklahoma was going to kill Nebraska this year. And then that created some drama on message boards because it was such a close game last year. So me running my mouth and being a smart ass, I, I just continued to be sarcastic and argue with people on the internet. But I, w- I would bet my money. I, I, I made a bet. I said Oklahoma will win by two possessions. So eight and a half or more. So I, I would take Oklahoma. What about you? If if the line was set Oklahoma favored by eight and a half, are you taking the Sooners or the Huskers? I I'm going to take the Sooners. I think the they a little bit regressed last year, but not enough to where Nebraska beats them. So, all right, uh, Powercat Ryan asks, give give me your Mount Rushmore of the worst Big J uh, journalists, uh, Scoop Meisters <laughs> excluded. We already talked about the Big Jays. I don't like. We don't have to touch that. But again. Uh, everyone knows Andy Staples is a hack. Heather Denich is a hack. Stuart Mandel is a hack. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll throw Bruce Feldman in there. He'll catch a stray because he's on the same podcast as uh, Stu. Uh, Powercat yep. Ryan. Oh, go ahead. What? No, I was just going to say same. Same. <laughs> See, it's good. I, honestly, I, I wish I, I wish all of us weren't on Twitter as much. Granted, that's helped grow the brand, but it's not great. It's an angry place. Uh, he goes, what percentage of our fan base will refer to Nate, or Nate Matlack as Matt Locke? I would say at least 15%. Ooh. I think – I mean, yeah. there's there's K-State fans who never learned how to spell John Curry, Bruce Weber, um, you know, Brett Yormark. No one – like, people are going to call him Yormack <laughs> this entire time. I've done it. I, I think I broke myself of it. But I think at least 15% will call him Matt Locke at, le- at least once. I- I think, I think 
a quarter. I think 25%. I'll go higher. Uh, all right. Powercat Ryan again asked, last year you would say or you would talk about K-State making the Big 12 championship game until their third loss. Will K-State lose three Big 12 games this season? If so, what opponent will be the third loss? So what about like official prediction? Like again, the official bonehead extravaganza will be later on in this uh, season. But do are we going to lose three Big Twelve games? And if so, who would that third one be? Oh man, you know i I honestly think we're we're not going to lose three. I I just I think so highly of the team this year. The the two I foresee us losing, Baylor, um, and then OU. The toss-up. That if we did lose a third game, it would be Oklahoma State. Yeah, so I I think we will lose three, and it will be at Baylor on November twelfth. I think that'll be yep. our third loss. Um. Yep. So the next one, and again, this is a longer one. I don't know if we'll do all of this, but could you two rank the Big Twelve brands without Oklahoma and Texas, with the potential add-ons of Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, Oregon, and Washington, just one through eighteen? Unless you wrote it out. Um, I mean, no. So, so I, brand like brand brand wise, I think Oregon is top tier. Um, I think K State's top tier. Oklahoma State's top tier. Um, TCU's not. Nope. Texas Tech not. Baylor. Ooh. No. I. It's too too late for them to be relevant. I mean. They went to the. They won the Big Twelve last year. Yes, I get that, and won the national national title in basketball. But um, it's just too late for them. All those years of the the Big Eight of them just absolutely being dog shit. KU, they're only relevant in basketball. Um, Iowa State, who cares? Um, West Virginia, they've been too late. I mean, their their big brand is in the, the formerly the Big East. Um, Washington, you know, the only time they've done it is in the uh, college football playoff that one year. I think they um, have a national title in the 90s. They do. Yes, that is correct. Uh, Colorado, I mean, it's they're only relevant in the 90s. Um, so, honestly, I think that I'm just going to go top tier. I'm going to go with, like, brands, like brands. K-State, Oregon, um who did I else did I say? Oklahoma State. I'd say those are my top three, like brands. Like people, when people look at like the Big 12, they think K State, Oklahoma State. And if we're adding the new teams, I'm going to say Oregon. Yeah. So I'm going to disagree with you. And I think K State fans probably won't like what I'm about to say. Uh, if you're including, you know, those six Pac 12 schools, I, I think the number one brand is Oregon. I think the number two brand actually is BYU. Um, they have. Oh, again, yeah, totally. They're in there. And again, people I are going to hate this. That. You're going to hate this. KU basketball. I know it's just basketball. They're they're I up know. there. Uh, Washington is also in front of K-State. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, probably Arizona. I don't know about Arizona State. I don't know about Colorado. 
Colorado uh, or Oklahoma State has a bigger brand than us. Baylor does. Again, they've had a lot of success in football recently under Art Bryles, under, uh, you know, I mean, they just won the Big 12 title, so they're up there. I, I think K-State and Texas Tech and West Virginia would be in that second tier. I think TCU has one of the worst mm. brands. Um, I, I don't think Arizona State has a really good brand if you're including them. Um Cincinnati doesn't have a good brand. Central Florida doesn't have a good brand. Houston probably has the worst brand out of all of them. So I, I think K-State is basketball tier. Yeah, but but still, just you, you take everything into account. If you look at, you know, just name brand recognition from the average college sports fan um, and just size of fan base, I, I don't think so. I mean, Houston gets the worst TV ratings in the new Big 12. Uh, so that that's how I would lay it out. I know a lot of folks won't like hearing that, but I, I do think that's where it is. Um, so it is what it is. We'll keep going. We still have a handful of them, but again, remember we're going live Wednesday, 7 p.m. on Colorcast, and we uh, still have the promo code, promo code Bosco's Boys on home field for 15% off. A uh, handful more of these. Uh, the Good Chef asks, know that – Know that it that's a non-con basketball schedule. What is our record? And will it be enough to keep our dancing uh, dreams alive? So I guess he's asking, what will our non-conference record be? And will and can we dance? I'll say this. As long as if, if K-State goes 8 and 10 or better in the Big 12, we're probably going to be dancing. I don't see us losing enough games for that not to be the case. So I I, I see no world where our non-conference schedule excludes us from the dance. I think I we think go 10, we and, have, 10 and three is my official prediction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Um, I think our non-con is, it's going to be our, one of our strengths this season. I, I and honestly, obviously compared to conference play, but I think it's going to help us um, once conference play pans out. And then, I said it. You asked this before. Um, I'm gonna keep with my word. Um, I I do believe we're dancing. I mean, we may be a bubble team, but we're we're dancing in Jerome Tang's first year. Alex Pogue asks, uh, if you could have only one coffee drink for rest of your life, what would you pick? Pour over. Pour over. Single origin from a single country. Pour over. There you go. That's, I, that's I don't it. think that's it's it. better than like, that. Yeah, it, I mean, I tweeted out today. Uh, I had a, I was, I didn't really have enough time. I mean, I made my pour over in the my first pour over in the morning, and then when I I went to a coffee shop, local coffee shop, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna be different. I got a cappuccino, nothing else, no syrups, no nothing else. So I I uh, ventured out, I guess you'd say, but it'd be it'd be a pour over, hands down, like just the. The flavor, the aroma, just the 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 process in itself, it pour over. Pogo Trevor asks, and I don't I don't know if you're a soccer fan, so I don't I don't know how if if you'll take any yeah. anything here, but he asks if you could lock in both results, how far would the USA soccer team have to make it in the World Cup for you to trade losing to KU in football this year? For me, it would have to it would have to be the final four. USA soccer would have to make the final four, the semifinals for me to accept losing to KU in football. Maybe even win it. Sure. 
Um, that's, I mean, not really a big soccer I'm, fan. Yeah, I mean, you, other, you, can other say nothing. you can say nothing. I, I'm not going to hold it against you, but I mean, yeah, no, I wouldn't even think twice. If you could offer me up the USA winning the world cup, I would take it. No questions asked anything else. I'd have to think about, uh, Anything less than the semifinals is an automatic no. So semifinals are just making the final. I would think about it. Winning it, no doubt. So that's kind of how I would go. Um, so, yeah, that's what it, it is what it is. Uh, Blake Morris asks, what needs to happen for the Cats to win the Big 12? What needs to happen for us not to make a bowl game? So that's two questions. So let's start with what would it take for K-State to win the Big 12 this year? Not lose to OU. I think if we beat, I think if we beat OU, we have a real good shot of honestly making it through the season and then winning the Big Twelve. I like that. For me, it's going to be can Adrian Martinez cut his turnovers in half mm. or better. I think if he I, if he if he stays the quarterback he was for Nebraska, but he cuts those you know turnovers, I think we win the Big Twelve. Uh, what about? I think. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna say, like, that was just a bigger scope. Um, if we're looking at a microscope, I mean, I honestly need the other wide receivers and tight ends to produce, other than Malik and Philip. That's hands down probably them, and then the backup running backs to produce, um, other than Deuce, because we need help on that offensive side. We have the firepower. We just need them to produce at a reliable uh, state to be efficient all the way through passing and rushing. All right. What about for us not to make a bowl? For me, I think it's a lot of injuries. Injuries, turnovers, and just maybe penalties, but I, I, I don't for, I don't for us seeing being a, penalized team I, I don't remember last year we were that penalized um but it injuries and turnovers is huge I think if Adrian has the same amount of turnovers uh that he did in Nebraska it's gonna be it's gonna be a long season yep um all right chef Andre Napier can she be a 10 if she doesn't talk K-State sports with you I think absolutely she can still be a 10 yeah 100 percent 100 percent I'll just uh, if she likes another team, I guess I'll start being a fan of that team. <laughs> Come on now, I think you're a married man. I don't think you can make that joke. Yeah, no, but I thought it was funny. But no, um, yeah, no, the wife she uh, she she likes attending K State games, so um, she's meh about sports. So I just kind of I'm in my lonesome self about fanatic, you know, being a fanatic about sports. So um, she just she's there for the ride. She knows that I love love sports and I love K-State so she supports me so uh here's from Colorado Cole seems like Knowles and Brooks are pretty much locked down wide receiver one and two who will emerge as the wide receiver number three yeah yeah so I uh I said this uh, a couple weeks ago on the live show uh, who's our most underrated player that you know wasn't talked about at media days and it was Cade Warner I mean he I think is going to obviously had his time with uh, Adrian at Nebraska, but I think him and obviously him and Adrian are going to, you know, gel together. And I think he's going to be that reliable, you know, probably third down 
wide receiver that'll make catches that when it comes down to crunch time, that if you need a receiver to make a catch, make a play, it's going to be Cade Warner. I think that's probably a good call. I'll throw RJ Garcia out there as like a dark horse. Uh, Cause he, he I, I don't know if he even has a catch yet, but I think he'll eventually develop into a good receiver. Uh, where would you set the over under for Deuce Vaughn carries this year? Last year he had 235. So let's just set it right there. Will he have more or less uh, rushing attempts uh, than he had last so year? I actually, 235. So I actually looked at um, his stats and then I looked at Darren Spool's stats in 2003 when he had his big year. And Sproles had 306. Now we were heavily relying on Sproles, but we also had a pretty decent passing game with L throwing to. I think we played Terry in and, 15 games that year, though, correct? I think so, yeah. So, I mean, to answer your question, yes, I think he'll have about, I think he'll have 250, if not more. But yeah, I think that's a reasonable number. Yeah, I, I, I think 250, I, I, I would go. Honestly, I'm going to go under. I, I think that – I think we're going to spread the ball out or maybe he'll catch the ball a little bit more. I'm going to officially say under, but I I, I uh, reserve the right to change my mind. All right, we'll go to uh, Blake Morris next. We only have a handful left. He asks, if you could play a instrument in the KSU marching band, what would it be? So I played trombone fifth sixth seventh and eighth grade and stopped uh at high school because i didn't want to be that guy um honestly it'd probably be trombone just because that's what i'm familiar with but from watching up in the stands i mean i just see the the trumpet and the saxophone and just all just all instruments are just having a blast down in pride uh the pride land so um probably be trombone yeah i would answer this i wouldn't Again, no, no, no shade at the marching band. I, you know, I, I've been showing a lot of love to the marching band, but I wouldn't. Um, I never played an instrument. I was in choir through high school. Uh, there's nothing, there's no reason I would ever even consider being in the marching band. No, no I would not. That, that's fine. I love the marching band. I'm glad they're there. There's nothing in the world that can make me want to be in the marching band. Uh, we're wrapping up. Here's a good one. Do you see Dylan Edwards more as a Deuce Vaughn true running back or more of a Tyree kill type slot weapon? I will say Deuce Vaughn isn't just a true running back because he is out in the wide receiver so much. I had this conversation with someone and I think this was brought on because Dylan Edwards was the fastest prospect at a, at the under armor elite 50 uh, camp. He's still nowhere close to Tyree Kill's speed. Tyree kill was an Olympic level sprinter. Um, and I, I, I think Dylan Edwards is going to be out of the backfield. I don't see him as a slot receiver. Even though he can catch the ball, he can run the routes. I don't see that. I know a lot of people want to put him there. I just don't see it. Do you disagree with me? Do you see him being more like a slot weapon than a running back? No, I think he's going to be a true running back. Um, that's Yeah, I just don't see that. I mean, he'll probably go out for a few occasions on the dump, dump pass off to the side, but I don't foresee him being in the slot and running routes. Drew Barlett asked, if you could have one K-State player from all time to be able to stay in their college prime and on every team forever, who would you pick? This is a tough one. 
Um, because my first instinct was Michael Bishop, but again, college football has changed a lot. I don't know if Michael Bishop uh, can execute the game plan, kind of give you everything you need a modern day quarterback to be. So I think for us, and I'm, this is me thinking with our recent struggles uh, on offense, I'm a, obviously an offense kind of guy. Um, I think our recent struggles, I think, Jordy Nelson, when he was an All-American, I think that our receiving core has been kind of stagnant. And I think him being a reliable receiver, uh, I think it'll be huge on what he would be able to do for us, being able to catch passes from, you know, Jake Rudley, Avery Johnson, and everyone else in the near future. Yeah, I mean – this is tough because, again, I the quarterback is the most important position in all of college football. And – but I just – College – you were saying earlier, though, college college football's evolved. Like, we're not – you know, when it's like, for instance, Colin Klein, like, he was – we were running Colin Klein, like, every – almost every down. And we're not doing that. It's a lot of – uh, zone read and just dump off passes. Um, I, I I don't think Klein had that arm strength to consistently pass. I mean, he did. I will and, say that he did and, pass. And but, Michael Bishop was not a an accurate enough quarterback for today's game either. Yeah, and then if you look at L, I mean, he was L was all over the place. Yeah, like I, I think I think I'm coaster. going with – if I was going to go wide receiver, I would go Tyler Lockett. If I was going to go defensive back, I would I would go Chris Canty. Um, if I was going defensive end, I'd say maybe Jordan Willis. But what I'm going to do is go with Cody Whitehair because he was a guy who was an All-American Ooh. lineman who could play tackle, guard, or center. So if you're telling me you have an all-American lineman who can play all five spots every single year for the rest of time, that's what I'm going with. I'm going with Cody Whitehair. Yep. There we go. I'm sticking to it. Um, All right. We only have a handful left. Again, ColorCast Wednesday, 7 p.m. And uh, for a few more days, promo code Bosco's boys on home field for 15% off. Uh, KSU Railroader. Which player on offense and defense are you most excited to watch? You cannot use any of the media day attendees. Well, it's easy on defense because Felix and you, DK Uzama didn't go to media days. So he's my pick on defense. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. And then um, offense. I will, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go different on you for defense. I'll say Khalid Duke. Um, I'll go different. Um, I just think he's going to have a bounce back year and he's going to be the other missing piece on the D not missing piece, but he's going to be on the other side causing havoc. Um, Offensively. I mean, I've been, you know who my pick is. I mean, I've been raving about him since uh, the off season. Uh, Cade Warner. I think he's going to have a big year. Yeah. I'll I'll go with Malik Knowles. I think this is the season he stays a hundred percent healthy and really shows out. Um, KSU railroader, which coordinator slash assistant won't be at K-State next year? I don't like these types of questions. I don't like basically predicting uh, someone to lose their job. But it, it, I think the best guess would either be uh, Mike Tuiasasopo or uh, Steve Stannard. Um, that's my guess on defense. Um, but if you're talking about a guy who might get a promotion, 
I think Connor Riley might be an offensive coordinator candidate for some folks. I think Van Malone for like a smaller school might be a head coach uh, option. I think Klanderman might be a bigger school defensive coordinator option. Uh, I think you have three guys who could get promotions in the off season. Um, but, but, but I think, you know, I don't know if, if, if two guys are going to kind of move on similar to this past year, I think it might be those two guys, but who knows, who knows? I, I, I'm going to have a boring answer. I'm going to say nobody. I think um, our staff is, I think what we want it to be. And I think Kleiman realizes that. And so he's going to have them stick around for a couple of years, see through the process. And then probably about year five, four or five, I think uh, some other schools are going to grab our staff because then they realize what we've done in that time. All right. Uh, If K-State was to form a secret alliance within the Big 12 with three schools, are you – with which three schools are you pulling in to run things underground? It does not include OU or UT – it could include any potential addition. So which like three schools would you want K-State to partner with to have like Illuminati running the big 12? Uh, Oklahoma state, uh, BYU. Um, e- like I'm, I don't know. I'm torn just in the sense of the success they've had and how much I don't want to say this. But I think Baylor has turned it around, and I think that having an alliance with them will be uh, crucial, especially moving forward with uh, Jerome Tang as our basketball coach. Now we're just talking football. Um, Run the entire conference. Entire conference. I mean, yeah, Oklahoma State, BYU, and Baylor. I mean, that'd be my three. See, I'm going Oklahoma State, Iowa State, KU. While I hate two of those schools, the original four Big Eight schools still around. That, that's what I'm going with. Um, final three questions coming from Ace Edwards. Uh, put every – oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Lots of these questions. Put every Big 12 school, including the new ads, into one of these categories. Friends, rivals, or enemies. All right, so we'll, we'll go through this pretty quick. Uh, all right, we'll start with the four new schools. BYU, friend, enemy, arrival. Friend. Yeah, uh, UCF. Mm, enemy. Okay, I, I would call them friend. They haven't done anything to me yet. Cincinnati. I Well, I, I will say UCF, them claiming them national champions, like that's kind uh, of like uh, what's that's kind of like Iowa State claiming that they're, they're a big program, even though they haven't won ten games. Yeah, so no, I, I, my, I'm with you. We can call them an enemy. I'm good with that. All right, Cincinnati, uh, friend, Houston, mm, friend. Yeah, they haven't really done anything. All right, KU. Yeah, that's easy. Uh, you serious, Clark? Well, I'm I'm calling them rivals, not enemies. So I guess I don't know, like the higher rivals. Yeah, rivals. yeah. Iowa State rivals, rivals. Yeah, enemies. I agree. What about Oklahoma State? I like Oklahoma State. I'll say a friend. I'll, I'll, I'm going to call them rivals. We played them forever. Uh, yeah, Texas Tech. I could go with that. That's fine. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. There's no wrong answer. I'll say friend. I'll I'll say I'll say friend because. What they did to TCU with the cactuses, like oh, that's, that's that was hilarious, hilarious. That's some savage uh, people down at Texas Tech. So uh, friends. Yep, I, I agree with you. TCU. 
Enemy. They're still they're friends with me. Um, so OU and Texas, we're just gonna say fuck them. Um, yeah. And then West Virginia, I think that's the only other one. Oh, Baylor, Baylor, uh, enemy. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, enemy too. Yeah. Okay. West Virginia, West... I mean. Well, I mean, I mean they really other than yeah, I'd just say friend. I mean. Just from what I've seen on Twitter and just kind of like, you know, the atmosphere that I've heard, like, it's a good atmosphere to be at. So I'd say friend. All right. If you could pick three K-State fans to become coaches of a football Ooh. team you support, which <laughs> three are you picking? I'm going to say this. I don't trust anyone except for Jimmy, a.k.a. KSU underscore fan, to be a coach of a team I'm cheering for. There's no one else. There, There are not two more. Yeah. Unless there's like high school coach, like Derek Thomas, he's a four, five time state champion at Rossville. He's a K State fan, so he can coach. Um, trying to think of uh, another coach that, oh, God, I don't know. I don't know any other high school coach. I, again, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of other I'd coaches. To... I don't know, but like pure fans, like fans I know, only Jimmy, no one else. I don't trust anyone else. Sorry, Nick. I don't trust you coaching the team I'm cheering for. Yeah, no. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I know um, Ace and Connor want me to say them, but no, I don't trust you, you fools. No. I don't trust any of you, you except for kid. Jimmy. Jimmy only. You don't trust you don't trust your podcast kids to, to, no. to coach football. I do not. <laughs> no. Um Yeah, that's a good question. I Probably Jimmy, or honestly, like, I'm going to toot my own horn, but I think I could do it. I think I could, I could, uh, you know, get us, get us to the ship, maybe. If not, I think I might have a Ron Prince era of uh, disaster. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. Final one from Ace. Does K-State get any big noon games on Fox or college game day games? I'm going to say yes, they get one. Don't ask me which one. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I, yeah, I don't know which one, but they will. Yeah, I mean, I think that game versus Oklahoma could be big noon. The game late in the year versus Baylor. Game late versus Texas. Yeah. Oklahoma. Honestly, State. I think if we're, in the, I, I think if we're in the running for a Big Twelve championship, I, I could see the big the Baylor game being a night game. Yeah, I. I, I could see it too, um, although I don't think we win too many night games down in Waco. But we we don't need to talk no. about that. I hate myself for even saying that. But let's move on. That's all we have. I want you to get a final word. Tell the Boneheads anything you want, and then I'll let you get back to your job. This ran long. I appreciate you spending this time with me before you go out on your active duty weekend. But just plug anything you want to. Tell the Boneheads anything you'd like. Yeah, yeah. Um... Just want to say thank you, Scott, for having me on. This was this was fun. Uh, I know that this was supposed to be a uh, meetup, you know, me teaching you how to make some coffee, but we'll get that done. You're just uh, rubbing it I in know. me for my mismanagement hey, for time you, once again. You, you know, man, like I gave you the benefits of doubt, but now it's you gotta you gotta make up for it. But uh, no, um, like I said, thank you for allowing me to come on. This was a lot of fun. I love being on the live show. I love. Uh, all you boneheads out there um if you guys have any coffee recommendations like i said uh send me 
a DM on Twitter. Um, just type in Nick the Coffee Fiend and you'll it'll pull up. Uh, and then just go to K State games and support our cats um, like never before because I think we got something pretty special going on in football and basketball. So, um, you know, thank you guys for listening to me. And uh, yeah, don't drink shit coffee. I love it. I love it. All right. This is the final week before Blitz Month. So we're going to be getting at least three folks who cover K-State football every single week in August to help break down and preview the season. We have a show Monday through Friday. Uh, tomorrow, you guys are going to hear, um, I I hope, I, it hasn't been recorded yet, but I'm hoping I have Curtis Kelly. I, I think I'm recording that Friday morning. So if you don't hear Curtis Kelly on Tuesday, something happened. But hopefully Curtis Kelly on Tuesday, hoping to get a member of the K-State football staff on Wednesday. Thursday, you'll hear the live show, which we'll be doing Wednesday at 7 p.m. And Friday, the dream Big 12 only college football road trip with my friends Parker and Phillip. So that's this week before we get into Blitz Month. We love you guys. Nick, thank you for coming on. Thank you for all you do for our country, keeping us free and finding that next generation of U.S. Army soldiers. Hashtag Go Army, Beat Navy. Uh, that's all we got. That's right. We, we love you guys. And if Grant was here, he'd say, meet me at the cat head. But, but since it's just me, I'm going to say this. Be nice to people on the internet, unless they're an Iowa State fan, or Andy Staples starts making a fool out of himself. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Hail to the UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight, fight, fight.
Podcast Network.